Well, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? W would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and... Um, well, I'm asking you how you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. We're having a little fun with you this morning. That little meme there is credit of my good director, Connor, who is 30 today. That's right. Happy birthday, Connor. Connor, you're getting Chipotle for lunch with the guacamole, extra guacamole if you want. We had donuts for breakfast. We're taking them out to dinner because employees of the Rubin Report all become fat over time. That clearly is what's going on here. Guys, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message for March 24th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube for as long as they'll have us, and Blaze TV. Please subscribe over at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. Would you do that for me? Uh, we got a Q&A for you today, but we're going to jump into some stuff in this Supreme Court uh, nominee hearing. Katanji Brown Jackson is the nominee, Joe Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court. And I've noticed, to call me crazy, I've noticed a slight difference in the reaction uh, from the media and all of the mainstream outlets to Katanji, uh, it seems very different than say, Brett Kavanaugh. It seems a little bit different. We're gonna dive into it just a bit. I think something's going on there. Before we get to that, first, the real copies have shown up. I've got the real copies. This is the real book. It's here, people. Words, chapters, paragraphs. We're very excited. The tour. You know it. And the tickets are selling really fast. A lot of the VIP tickets are already sold out. Uh, DaveRubin.com slash events. If you want to join us on the tour, April 18th, Orlando, we're going to be announcing the guests soon. I think it's someone massive, massive, massive. I'm not jumping the gun on that. I think we'll, we should be able to announce it hopefully tomorrow. West Palm Beach will announce the guests soon. That's April 19th. Clear, Clearwater, Florida, we've got Benny Johnson. April 21st in Raleigh, North Carolina, we've got Andrew Claven from the Daily Wire. April 22nd, the Willy Wonka of politics. Michael Malice will join me on stage April 23rd in Chicago. Oh, we just announced this one last night. Uh, Yan Mi Park, my good friend and, and truly like a, put the, put the camera on me for this because she's really just an incredible person. If you have not seen my interview with Yan Mi Park, a defector from North Korea, her life story is absolutely amazing. Uh, she's gonna join me on stage in Chicago. Uh, Chicago, I think is almost sold out already as well. All right, we can go back to, uh, to the dates there. Uh, Dallas Glenn Beck from The Blaze will be joining me, Washington, D.C. in the swamp. We've got Megan McCain, West Nyack, New York, the suburbs of New York City. We've got uh, Miss Megan Kelly, Brea, California, Dennis Prager of Prager University. Uh, May 12th, Oxnard, we've got the man who should have been governor of California. Instead, they've got that evil freak. Uh, that's Larry Elder on May 12th, Oxnard. San Jose will announce the guest uh, very shortly. May 16th, uh, that's May 15th, San Jose. May 16th, Phoenix, Arizona. We have the next senator. I promise you he's gonna be the next senator from Arizona, Blake Masters. And May 18th, Denver, Colorado. I think I can announce the guest tomorrow on that one. We are just waiting for a, an official email confirmation. All right, real quick guys, before we get, oh, and again, it's DaveRubin.com slash events. All the links are there so you can click to the city you wanna go, you can purchase your tickets, and you get a book. 
you get a book with a ticket, and if you are a VIP, I'll even sign it for you. I'll take a selfie, I'll sign the book. That's the way we're gonna do it around here. And all right, real quick, before we get to the show, I wanna talk to you about American Home Shield. You know, no one likes to think about household breakdowns, but they happen, and way more often than you'd like. That's why it pays to have a plan from American Home Shield to help cover the costs to repair and replace things like your heating system, AC, or your fridge. They also know that no two homes are the same. That's why they have new options to help you find just the right coverage. American Home Shield members get more. Their plans help protect parts of up to 23 essential home systems and appliances, no matter how old they are. AHS also offers electronics coverage available for an unlimited number of eligible items like smartwatches, flat screen TVs, and more. Other options include roof leak repair. I'm working with them on that right now. And pool and spa coverage. If American Home Shield can't repair a covered item, they will replace it. Keep your home up and running with and on budget and on track with American Home Shield. Right now, Ruben Report listeners can take 50 bucks off their most comprehensive plans. Go to ahs.com slash Ruben right now and save 50 bucks. That's ahs.com slash Ruben. For 50 bucks off any plan, American Home Shield, be sure with the shield. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. And now back to me. Okay, so the big thing happening right now is that there are hearings to confirm Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Brown Jackson. Now, as a general rule, and I discussed this in my interview with Judge Napolitano this week that you may have seen, as a general rule, uh, the, the nominee that the president selects should basically get through the Senate. That's sort of how it should work and how it mostly has worked. When that started breaking down, actually, was in the 80s, when a guy, you may have heard of this guy, a guy by the name of Joe Biden started blocking uh, Robert Bork. He was a conservative. Joe Biden was a liberal. And Bork did not make it to the Supreme Court. Obviously, he's not on the Supreme Court. Uh, I think he passed away. Did Robert Bork pass away? I think maybe in the last couple of years. Um, in any event, as a general rule, they're supposed to pretty much get by. You want to make sure that they don't have truly like psychotically radical judicial decisions and that they understand the law and they understand separation of powers. And you can ask some questions, and, but it's a little bit of a dog and pony show. Um, and then you just let them pass by. But over the last couple of years, uh, with Amy Coney Barrett, and of course with Brett Kavanaugh, these things have become highly politicized, psychotic adventures of lunacy. Um, so the Republicans are kind of giving it back to the Democrats right now. There's, there's nobody that doesn't have fault on this thing. Uh, but first we wanna show you the outrage, the outrage that's happening outside the Supreme Court. This is extraordinary outrage that you're not seeing on other networks. These are live images, folks, at the doors of the Supreme Court, where you can see protesters have gathered. They are demanding that their voices be heard as they anticipate who will, what, who, the person who will be a new Supreme Court justice. Ah, you're a Rubin Report viewer, so you're bright. You know what I did there. Yeah, that has nothing to do with Katanji Brown Jackson and her hearing. That was when they were trying to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Little bit of an insurrection, you might say. You know, bashing down the doors, threatening people. Obviously, uh, these people could have gone violent at any moment, uh, but that's what they were doing, the tolerance side then. Of course, that's not happening right now. There are just uh, senators asking Katanji Brown Jackson legitimate questions. Here's Marsha Blackburn, Senator Marsha Blackburn, asking 
Brown Jackson what a woman is. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Do you see what's going on here? We have a woman who will be on the Supreme Court, like she's going to get through, uh, who doesn't know what a woman is or refuses to say what a woman is. That really is what's going on here. Um, she says she's not a biologist, but uh, I'm pretty sure that you might know that two plus two is four. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that. You know what I mean? You don't have to be a zoologist to know the difference between a dog and a giraffe, et cetera, et cetera. We had a little more fun. Connor was in a good mood this morning on his 30th birthday. Here's a little something for you. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? We are all Jack Burns from Meet the Parents. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? That is how stupid politics has become. But that, in essence, Jack is now the good guy. Jack Burns is the good guy. That's where we're at. Well, you know what? I didn't want to, uh, I don't want to just make light of this. You know what I mean? We wanted to do our research. And we got team working. Got, I got a whole bunch of, I got staff, about 80 people. They keep them downstairs. I throw them fish heads once a week. And I got them. They're always banging on typewriters and all this kind of stuff. And I said to them, guys, guys, what is a woman? Can someone get me a definition of a woman? They went right to Merriam-Webster dictionary and we pulled up this woman a human swimmer who ranks 554th in the men's division and first in the women's division with a picture of leah thomas you see what we're doing with you today it's thursday it's not friday it's thursday but we're just doing it we're just doing it with you okay now joking aside what is a woman if you're sitting there and you just don't know. You just have no idea. You're looking down, you see th some things, and you're like, what are these things? And how did they get here? And what am I? Oxford Dictionary on what a woman is. Of or denoting the sex that can bear offspring or produce eggs, distinguished biologically by the production of gametes, ova, which can be fertilized by male gametes. So there is a difference between chicks and dudes. 2022, and somehow that is a controversial statement. Anyway, uh, due to what we've done here this morning, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be banned from everything. It's been nice knowing you guys. You can find us at rubenreport.locals.com. And yeah, if you don't have a penis, you're probably a woman. How about that? That seems, you know what I mean? If you've got boobs, well, now these guys, these fat guys, you know, these soy boys, 
They've got these huge breasts. That doesn't make you a woman. You're just fat. You're just fat and get up, get off the computer for just a second. Get out there, walk. It's good for the skin too. So you might, you could have boobs and be a man, but most likely if you don't have a penis. <laughs> All right, rubenreport.locals.com, community Q&A, here we go. Uh, Kathy says, a few YouTube creators that I watched got canceled this week. What case can you make for people to ditch YouTube and join Rumble? Look, Rumble is a nonpartisan platform. It's as simple as that. I have had a million discussions with Chris, who is the CEO of Rumble. Dan Bongino and I are, are helping guide policy on Rumble. And our basic belief is that as long as you don't break the laws of the United States, as long as you don't threaten to murder somebody, uh, as long as you're not doing outright uh, libel or slander, which are against the laws of the United States, then you can be on there. You can't, you can't put up terrorist threats on there and things of that nature. But we're not putting our, our hand on the scale related to what your political beliefs are. There are plenty of lefties on there. There are plenty of righties on there. And anyone, you can be on there. It, it really is as simple as that. That's the best sales job. And I will tell you this, there are huge, huge plans. I mean, it's, it's very obvious to me. My future is not YouTube, right? Like it's not YouTube. The, the YouTube people, Susan Wojcicki over at YouTube, the CEO of YouTube, she does not like me, obviously. I could say anything. That, that little picture that we showed you, before with Leah Thomas and what is a woman, it's like they could just delete me because of that. You know, there's a certain amount of people, they, they, they don't delete everyone at once. You know, sometimes they take out slightly smaller people. It clears out some of the brush and then the pressure goes away. And then sometimes they take out higher people. Right now on Twitter, if you haven't seen this, Charlie Kirk, my buddy Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA, he's been locked out of Twitter for a couple of days because he made a joke. It, was, it wasn't even a joke. I mean, he basically just said, you know, there's a difference between men and women. I mean, it was as simple as that in essence. He's been locked out of Twitter for a couple of days. The Babylon Bee has been locked out of Twitter for a couple of days for actually making a joke about what's going on here with Rachel Levine and, and Leah Thomas and the rest of it. I think in America, you're still allowed to make jokes. Now, that's not the government necessarily coming for them, although it's hard to tell how much the government and big tech are colluding together. Um, but we need new things. We need new things and we need better things. It's why I built Locals. It's why we merged with Rumble. And the best sales job is we're not coming to get you. We're not coming to get you. And I know we have the right people around us to stand up to this. And I'm not just talking about Chris and Asaf who runs Locals and, and me and Bongino. I'm talking about the lawyers, the entire staff that we've met. Like these people, when I've been in meetings, it's like the meetings, they're, they're not just about, oh, we're going to put this feature in. And by the way, we're working on a lot of new features. It's also like we are going to fight the thing and we are going to do what we all know is right. So rumble.com slash Rubin report for when they boot me. But even before then, that, that's really where... Our future is obviously Nick says, Dave, after the David sons are born, are you going to still do your August off the grid vacations? And if so, are you going to do them during a different month since school starts in August here in the free state of Florida? So, uh, of course, the big announcement, the big life announcement was uh, last week that uh, Dave and I are having two kids. We're having two boys. Uh, we have two different surrogates. We're obviously super excited. We've been working on this for a long time. And, uh, you know, there, I saw some people, there was some level of concern on the internet about having female role model and a mother and all of that. And, you know, men and women, while they are biologically different, some men are more caregivers. Uh, some women are more hunter gatherer, are more hunters. You know what I mean? Like we're going to do the best we can to be two great parents and provide a home that is safe and loving and all of those things. But that being said, David's mom is going to be spending some time down here, especially right at the beginning, as well as his sister, who's been a nanny before. My sister, 
uh, is here in Miami and has a couple kids and is going to help out. And my mom will be around and we're going to do all sorts of things. But to your question on uh, August off the grid, I mean, obviously everything's about to change, right? Like I had, I had a good 45 year run. I did what I wanted when I wanted. Uh, I've been able to build something really great here and build a couple companies and do what I want to do for a living and go out when I want to go out and all of that stuff. Uh, that's really going to change. So the, the first baby is going to be born in August. So that will certainly change my August off the grid ability. Will I be able to literally not have my phone for a month? Probably not because there's going to be some phone calls and some travel and things like that. I'm going to still do the off the grid in terms of no news for the month and that sort of thing, but it will slightly change some of the ability to, to not have like an actual device in my pocket. And then as far as going forward, I think we're going to kind of just have to see because yeah, school does start early here in Florida, usually around August 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, obviously we've got a couple of years before the kids are in school. And also I think school and schooling is changing so rapidly. And even though the public schools in Florida have been far less infected by the woke stuff than many other schools. Um, I don't know that we're gonna send our kids to public school. I think schooling will just look different anyway, like whether it's charter school or private school or pods or doing something out of our own home or something like that. We're gonna have to think about all of these things. And uh, I would say in about four years from now, if I'm doing this show and you hear somebody screaming in the background, we're most likely homeschooling. We'll find out. Uh, Stephanie says, why would anyone bring and leave their computer to a store to fix it Mine doesn't hold government secrets and I'd never just leave it someplace, let alone forget it. So of course you're talking about the Hunter Biden laptop, which was making me think, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, the Geek Squad or the Dork Brigade or what do they have at uh, Best Buy? The Geek Squad, the Dork Brigade, that's something else, the Nerd Police, I don't know, whatever they are. Um, you know, people drop their computers off there. And then wasn't there a story once that there was some government connection? Can you guys check this? I think there was at one time a, a story where the government was actually working with the geek squad or the nerd police or the dork brigade to actually look at people's computers. So your question is legit. It's like, it doesn't mean you have something illegal on your computer, but we, oh, so there was a story about that. Okay, great. So the government had something, the FBI was doing something with the geek squad. So, you know, you get this, you know, like the average person walks in, oh, I can't get my computer to work. The windows won't minimize. Help me geek squad. And next thing you know, the FBI is reading all your emails. It's crazy. It's not about you having really horrific shit on there or evil whatever. Uh, we just, yeah, we're all like working in systems that we don't understand. That really is what it's all about. Uh, so I would not just hand my computer to anyone. Like you just shouldn't do that in that you have private emails. You know what I mean? Like I have private correspondences with people. Not because I'm breaking the law, but we all have a, a certain level of privacy that we want in life. But there is something particularly bizarre about this that Hunter Biden not only had these emails, but you know, it sounds like he had some pretty horrific images on there and a bunch of other stuff, and that he just handed the, the laptop to this computer repair shop and then basically just left it there. Like, what? I guess, you know what, maybe it's this, maybe when you're smoking crack, you're not making the best decisions. You, you think, I think maybe that's it. I don't, I've never smoked crack, but I would imagine you're not, you know, whatever, oh, that's weed, but like, how would you smoke crack really? Or it's like a, Oh, it's like how you smoke Parmesan cheese. Yeah, but there's like something and then like, I'm going to make some good decisions now. Brad says, do you think the clear insanity of Judge Jackson's record and her inability to answer basic questions will matter in her confirmation? No, I don't, because everything is partisan. Um, they have the votes. They have the votes. And as I said at the top, you know, generally speaking, unless someone has truly like an 
abysmal record, like something that you can point to that legally is so profoundly wrong that in essence, it is the president's duty to nominate the, to nominate the person. And then it's the Senate's job to confirm them, making sure that it's nothing crazy, not that they have to agree with everything that the senators want. So the, the hearings are a certain level of just a show. It's just a show, but it is important so that when they make, once she is confirmed and she's going to be confirmed, once she is confirmed that as we get decisions over the next couple of years, potentially the next few decades, we're able to point to the beginning and go, boy, you know, she didn't know what a woman was or not that she didn't know what a woman was, but she was afraid to say what a woman was so that if there is a Supreme Court case, you know, if it ever makes it up to the Supreme Court, say, um, say, how about this one? Uh, say a bunch of female swimmers sue the NCAA because all of the female swimmer um, medals are now going to all men, biological men, and then they sue the NCAA. If that court case ever got up to the Supreme Court, well, now we could point back to Katanji Brown Jackson saying, I don't know, I'm not a biologist, so how the hell am I supposed to know what a woman is? So you want just sort of a track record. It doesn't necessarily stop anything, but then you can at least understand not only their judicial philosophy, but their their personal philosophy. There was also a question that was asked of her as to whether, when she thinks uh, life begins, and she completely punted that and didn't answer. And it's like, you know, she can have whatever her opinion is on abortion, and she can have whatever her opinion is on Roe v. Wade, which, as I always say, is not about legal abortion. It's about kicking it, making it a federal law, not a state law. But if you're afraid to answer those very difficult questions, that's a red flag to me. Again, it's not going to stop her, uh, but that would be a red flag in, in my mind. Uh, Jeff says, can Jordan Peterson be your kid's godfather? Um, I don't want to give away too much on that department, but that would be a pretty freaking good Godfather, right? I mean, how much better would it get than that? And, you know, as you guys know, um, you know, being on tour with Jordan was really the, the final move for me in the decision to have kids because David had wanted kids for many years and he's a little bit younger than me. He grew up knowing he was going to be married, knowing he was going to have a family and all that. I was born in 76. Like when I was a kid in the nineties, like there was no, oh, you're going to get gay married or you're going to have a future or a family or any of those things. I didn't really think about them in a weird way, but there was no like, there was no vision of that, you know, it just, it didn't exist. And because of that, I really never thought about having kids. I never thought about getting married. That, then, then we got married and then, you know, life continues. Life continues and life is supposed to be something that you're always building upon to hopefully get a little bit better at things. You know, as Jordan talks about, you know, if you get, imagine if you got 1% better every day, you know where you'd be in a week and a half when it really starts compounding? you know, and it starts really moving forward, like you can turn things around pretty quickly. And, so, you know, sometimes you really do it and then sometimes you don't. But David really wanted kids. And when we were in Europe on the tour, uh, Jordan often was talking about the importance of being a father, not that, and a mother, not that everyone has to do it to live a fully actualized life, but most people do. That it's such a profound experience in terms of raising someone, giving them values, protecting someone else, all of those things that it's one of the things that helps you complete the journey of being a human being. And then perhaps, hopefully after that, being a grandparent, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm hearing from David that he wants kids and I'm hearing from Jordan the importance of it. And those two things really came together. And, and I actually am excited. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I would say I'm a little nervous or I'm a little just every day I wake up now and I'm like, man, the clock is ticking, you know, like, ah, what are we going to do? Uh, but it's, it's life, like it's life. And, and there are sometimes things that are bigger than you. So there you go. Uh, 
So I don't know. We'll see about the Godfather thing. Um, Meg says, will you do an update on Glenn Youngkin since he's been in office? He's been working hard in Virginia. Well, look, the main thing, I'll gladly do something on him next week. Why don't we do a little, that would be a good idea, actually. Do a little recap of when we get a win, right? We get a governor who's going to fight critical race theory. Okay, he's been he's been running the state now in Virginia for, for a couple months. It's like, well, what's going on over there? So we'll do a little recap on that next week. From what I basically understand, he's been fighting the critical race theory stuff. And that's that's the main thing that he promised. And that is the main thing he's doing. So seems pretty good to me. Seems pretty good to me. Uh, Sarah says, congratulations on the bundles of joy on the way. Do you and David plan on keeping them out of the public eye? Why or why not? That's a great question. The, the quick answer is yes. Um, you know, I happen to be a public person. There's a lot of goodness that comes with that. There's some negativity that comes with that. Um, you know, there's been a particularly nice, warm part of it that's happening here in Florida. I went out to dinner with uh, Douglas Murray last night and another friend, and, you know, tons of people are coming up to me throughout the dinner, and it's always nice, and everyone's respectful, and take a couple pictures and all those things, and they just say nice things and welcome you to Florida, and it's all good. So that's the nice part of it, but there, then there is some other part. I, actually, I can't say that I've ever been really bothered when anyone's come up to me, because people are always nice. But there is some other part where you feel like you have to share things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily be sharing and then hear a reaction from people that you don't particularly care about that don't have anything to do with you. So when they're, even though 99% of what we got in the last week was love and we got it from, from tons of conservatives, tons of conservatives. I didn't really get any love from liberals, <laughs> actually. I got tons of love from conservatives. Um, and you guys, whatever you are, it doesn't even matter what the label is, right? Got tons of love on that front. Um, but there was some like more fringe people that are not happy and that are saying mean things about me. And it's like, all right, we live in a free country. I'm allowed to live my life. You're allowed to say mean things about me. That's a weird part of being public, that when you do something that's really private with your family, we sort of had to say something, right? I, I, at some point, I was going to have to say something because eventually uh, I was going to have kids in this house and I'd be talking about it perhaps, but I don't intend on plopping a kid right here and you know, doing a doing a show with the kid on the on the table. Uh, so Clyde will still be getting more pictures online than the kids. Um, but part of it also was that you know, uh, when you're having kids, male, female, gay or straight, uh, people like to post pictures. They like to post pictures of the uh, of the images. They like to post pictures of like the little shoes and the socks and all of the stuff, right? And, um, and David wanted to do that as all his friends have been doing something similar to that. So I felt that if he's going to do that, then enough people are going to know I'm going to have to do something here. And again, it was 99% love. So, uh, it's all good. Uh, Yanis says, what is something you love about your neighborhood that surprised you? That surprised me. I thought it was going to be good and it's been good. I would say a few more lizards. Then we anticipated a lot of, I saved a lizard this morning, meant to take a picture of it. There was a lizard in the kitchen this morning. I caught the lizard in a bowl and a plate, brought the lizard outside, saved the lizard. Uh, that's what I'm doing in the mornings here, saving lizards. Um, has there anything been about my neighborhood that surprised me? Um, well, look, you know, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but you know, Miami's got some traffic right now and it's got traffic in the best sense of traffic because uh, there's a lot of people moving here. And there's an incredible amount of construction because when you're doing something right, people want to be part of it. So there's a little of that. But has anything else surprised me? No, everybody's great. I got a great flea market near where we are on Sundays and uh, people are pleasant and lovely. The, the, 
the heat and the humidity has been, I know it's the winter now, we're, we're at the beginning of spring, uh, but there was the concern, is, it gonna, is the humidity gonna lower the hair? But I think the height is, is pretty solid. So I have no complaints, no surprises in any negative sense. It's, it's just been good, really. Uh, Kat says, did the possibility of raising kids in the near future have any influence on your decision to leave California and move to Florida? Uh, great question. Yes, absolutely 100%. Because even though once the recall failed, and then three days later, I got audited by the state because they used the levers of power to punish their political opponents, that was the final straw. But for a year and a half, I was pissed and not happy there. And, you know, I was happy in my day to day life, but. I rarely went out. Everyone was depressed. I would have illegal parties where people would come and everyone would be complaining. We'd have a great time, but everyone was also like, when are you leaving? It's horrible here. Like eventually it becomes, it becomes enough's enough. But then on the kid thing, it was very obvious. I was not going to raise my kids in California. And well, certainly a hundred percent at a public school level, but the private schools, the religious private schools, the Jewish schools, the, the Catholic schools, they've all been infected. Actually, you'll find this super interesting. Uh, many of the, the Jewish schools have been so infected by wokeism that uh, Campbell Hall, which is one of the biggest Catholic, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong on this, it's one of the biggest Catholic private schools in Los Angeles. It's now something like 40% Jewish. So you've got the same Jews are now sending their kids to Catholic private school because that's one of the last bastions of non-wokeness. So the whole thing was so screwed up and I have plenty of friends, obviously, that have kids from toddlers to into their 20s. And everybody talks about it at every level, whether you're going to a college, you know, you're, whether you're going to USC. Uh, and I, had, uh, I have a friend who uh, has a young son at USC and just hearing the horror stories out of that or whether it's the gender identity stuff in third graders at the public school or somewhere. I was just like, we can't do this. We, we can't have any part of this. And, uh, you know, we have a little bit of a window. The other thing related to kids that helped the move was that when you have kids, it gets much harder to move, right? I have friends that are back in LA right now that mainly are stuck there because of kids, because your kids have friends and have baseball and all of those things. And then it becomes much harder to, to pick up and go. So we had a, a window that I knew was closing on our ability where it was like, all right, it's me, David and Clyde. And the three of us can get the hell out of Dodge right now. But the longer we wait, knowing that we're working on kids, the more that's going to tie us here. So yeah, it was a part of getting out of there. Um, oh, this is a great question. Uh, seven, has locals or Rumble been pressured to block access from Russia or to censor discussions about Ukraine? The answer is yes, and we have not uh, acquiesced to anything. I will leave it at that. Um, I will leave it at that. Uh, Nate says, if Greg Gutfeld AKA the king of late night, he is the king of late night, brings his show to Florida for a week like he's done in Nashville and Dallas already. Can we count on your epic OG guest return to the show? Yes, absolutely. He was in Nashville. He wanted me to come and do uh, a couple nights there. And then he invited me to the Dallas thing too, to do some shows. And it was just obviously between the move and trying to get the book launch in order and everything else. It was just really tough to do. But I, I love Greg, you know, I always tell you, one of, the, one of the cool things of knowing some of these people, these public people privately, is when you know somebody that's, that's truly the same, when they're just exactly the same, how they are on camera and off camera. And I would say, if I just, the, the, these are the three that just popped into mind. I would say, Greg, same on camera as off camera. Talks exactly the same way, curses the exact same way, like you're getting the same freaking guy on camera, off camera. Uh, Candace Owens, 
exactly the same. Exactly the same as fearless and direct and, and fun and joyous and happy and all of that stuff. And then, of course, Jordan Peterson. Exactly the same on camera and off camera. That's, that's not an exhaustive list. Uh, I think I'm pretty much the same on camera as off camera. Um, but that, I always think that's a mark of sort of like a full, a full human being. So yeah, I'd love to do more with Greg and I really wanted him to come open for me on one of the, our book tour stops. Uh, but you know, he's doing a five day a week live show at night on Fox. So that does make it a little bit difficult. Vika says, are you open to having guests on the show that have several diverging opinions from yours? Yes. And I'm completely open to your suggestions on this. Look, it's gotten more difficult over time. I used to have a lot more lefties on, and then I was talking about why I wasn't happy with the left, and then suddenly I started getting called a racist and a bigot, and then most lefties just said, we're not gonna talk to you anymore. So interestingly, I've had more guests on the right that I disagree with about this or that than people on the left anymore, right? So if I disagree with, say, Ben Shapiro on abortion, or Dennis Prager on the death penalty, or Glenn Beck on abortion. I mean, I've debated these things with a bunch of these guys and, and not even debated, just honestly discussed it with them. There is a difference of opinion there, but I think what happens is people are like, oh, but you guys roughly like each other. You're all kind of probably voting in the same way. So even if you have differences of opinion, it doesn't count. To me, that shows the strength of what I would say is a wide tent conservative movement or, or a wide tent ex-lib conservative thing, you know, some sort of amalgamated, wedged, wielded and welded together thing. Um, that's the strength of it, that these people can have these conversations. Um, even the conversation that I had on Glenn's show this past week about, about raising kids as a gay couple, it's like, that's an important conversation to have, not something that is really being had. You know, you only hear one thing about gays, which is it's the LGBTQI movement and we better love them and they've got 87 flags and you better bow to them. And blah, blah. It's like, that's not really a conversation. Glenn and I had an extremely personal, powerful conversation. I actually just think we just scratched the surface of, of what parenting is like um, and what a same-sex couple having kids is like and the importance of family and all of those things. But nobody looks at that and, and is really like, oh, look at them, they're so different and yet they're having these conversations. It's more like, ah, they kind of agree. And it's like, that's not really true, but we respect each other as human beings. Um, but I think in essence, you're asking me about, about more lefties and yeah, if you can find some that are truly willing to engage properly, that haven't, that haven't attacked me mercilessly, unfairly or unjustly, sure, I'll continue that conversation. Um, but I would say, let me just say one other thing on that, which is that I'm, I'm actually much more interested in building new things and building parallel structures and fighting for the state that I live in and things like that. So I'm not really interested in, in, in whittling down all of the arguments that I had for years anymore and having someone really try to explain to me why affirmative action is good, right? We're, I'm sort of past that point. That's, I'm not saying people can't have those conversations, but I'm, I'm actually not that interested in that. What I wanna fight for is how do I build a better state that I live in and fight to keep this state free? How do we build better products like I did with Locals and Rumble? How do we, how do we further the ideas that I talk about here so that more young people won't be infected by wokeism. Actually, that's very much what this new book is all about. Uh, Brad says, in response to your long format shows this week and the events taking place now, the most important question to answer about these events and actions, to what end? Right, so what we tried to do this week with the show, and full credit to, to Phoenix on this, is we tried to build a narrative this week. 
there, where the first couple days we were showing you all of the things that the Democrats and the media and the powers that be are, are doing and they're doing wrong and they're trying to usher in this, this new world order. We tried to expose some of the Hunter Biden stuff and how the, Twitter hides it and the mainstream media hides it. We tried to show you how the policies of Joe Biden, the policies of the Democrats are causing gas prices to go up and they're causing the supply chain stuff and the policies of screwing over the good people of Afghanistan who are helping us and leaving them like that create a situation where our allies don't trust us. So we did that for a couple of days. And then what we wanted to counter that with yesterday was, but there are places that are doing it right. And Florida is the tip of the spear of doing it right. And that's why I want to focus on building things. I want, to, I want that model, the model of this state, the model of the governor that we've got here, Ron DeSantis, that model is the thing that should be replicated and sent throughout the nation. So that's really what we tried to do this week is show you, here's the, here's the bad stuff that's happening. Here's seemingly why they're doing it. And here's the good stuff that's happening. So I think that's why we'll, I, I appreciate the earlier question on Glenn Youngkin. We'll, we'll do some kind of review on that and see where things are going in Virginia. Let's, let's, start, let's start racking them up. What states are functioning and what states aren't? And, and for the functioning ones, what are their weak points? For the, for the ones that are, that are not necessarily working, do they have any strong points? Are any of the policies right? Or is, is it just always everything's bad? California is kind of in the always everything bad category. Really is, really is across the board. Now Gavin Newsom, oops, well, I just mentioned California and Gavin Newsom. Got to put a little money in the fund to get someone to escape Cali. Um, Gavin Newsom is talking about giving people a uh, tax credit. No, not a tax credit, a rebate, a gas rebate now, which means that you'll, the government will give you money because of the prices of gas that are high, which have everything to do with Joe Biden's policies and his policies, which is why gas is more expensive, way more expensive in California than in Florida right now. The government finds problems, creates problems, and then demands that they're the answers. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, Kevin says, how many years did it take you to become an overnight success? Did you always want to be a talk show host? You know, it's funny. Um, who was it I was with? Um, Susie Essman once. Uh, comedian Susie Essman, who you may know as Susie Green from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, and I was with her once on the subway in New York City. So it was sort of like we were in an episode of Curb or Seinfeld or something. And I said hi to her and we had a couple mutual friends. And um, so she said something that I thought was really interesting. She's like, and she sort of sounds like Susie on the show. She's like, you know, everyone thinks I'm, a, I'm an overnight success, but it's like, where the fuck were you for the first 20 years? These fucking people. And so people think that, that, you know, this overnight success idea, it's like most, first off, if, you, if you're a real overnight success, meaning you're sort of nobody doing nothing, then you have some like great moment or, or viral moment or whatever, most likely you're not going to be a long-term success. Because I think one thing that in retrospect, I'm, I'm very appreciative now is I spent years and years on the street corners of New York City, six nights a week, sometimes three hours a night, sleep, nor rain, nor snow did not stop me handing out comedy club tickets so that I could get on stage, work basically for free often, then in the later years, then you start getting paid, uh, to just hone my craft, be comfortable speaking to a crowd, doing crowd work, messing around. I, I knew comics that were incredible, incredible saying the truth, and most of them disappeared because they couldn't take it because it's a shitty business, and they couldn't take the, the pain and all of that stuff. I know guys that were pretty crappy comics that are big stars right now, and I know, and I know some in between. Out of my crew of comics that, you know, everyone, you've always got your kind of crew of people. 
Um, the one that became a real mainstream success, who was, who was just an awesome, incredible talent, she's just a great gal, uh, Melissa Rausch, who you guys probably know as Bernadette from The Big Bang Theory, uh, is a great friend of mine, and I, I just knew the first time I saw her that she was just gonna be a star. I, I said to her the first night, I remember we were in the Times Square subway station after the first night we did stand-up together, and I said, you're gonna be the first one on SNL. That's back when comics wanted to get on SNL because it was a good show a long time ago. She never got on SNL, but obviously she, she killed it with Big Bang. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was not an overnight success. It was a long slog. And I think one of the things that people appreciate, I suppose, about what I do is that, you know, I've been honest about the journey. I've been honest about the journey. When you, when you go back, if you, if you ever go back and you watch the Young Turks clips of me supporting Bernie Sanders, it's like, that was legit. And then you can watch me sort of waking up. You can watch those moments. You can watch the Larry Elder moment. And, uh, and then suddenly you go, man, I'm 45 and I guess this is successful and it's pretty good and all of those things. But you're sort of never fully there, I guess, I guess in a way, you know, it's like you never fully like, oh, did I really accomplish the thing that I wanted to accomplish or, or what's next or what's on the horizon? And then I suppose one day when you're older, eventually you take your, your foot off the pedal a little bit. I'm not quite there yet, but let's revisit this once I have a couple kids and I come into the show in the morning and there's like, you know, throw up on me and my hair's out of whack and I have huge bags under my eyes. People, it's all over. Uh, Cobalt says, are you gonna do a show in Miami or Broward County? Would love to see you live. So yeah, we're starting with three Florida shows. It's uh, Orlando on April 18th, West Palm Beach on uh, April 19th, and Clearwater, which is the Tampa area. Uh, that is on the 20th, I believe, right? Those are, guys, those are back to back, 18th, 19th. Yeah, I did it all. Okay, there you go. There's a couple of the other dates. Um, we wanted to do something local in Miami. The market is a little wacky right now and we couldn't find the right theater that there were gonna be, uh, that it was gonna fully work within the schedule and everything else, but 100%, yes. My original intention was I wanted to open this thing in Miami. We, we were gonna try to do it maybe at the Jackie Gleason Theater, which is where Jordan did uh, his show here, which is an awesome, it's a huge theater, it's awesome. Um, it just didn't work out scheduling wise. There was also because of, because of my policy on no masks and no mandates, there was a lot of scheduling things that we constantly had to be moving around because there were policies that were changing, policies that still could change. Uh, I know a few of you have mentioned that I suppose, I think on the DC Improv show website, um, that it still has up there that you have to have a mask or something, or you have to have a passport. It's 100% not true. They just haven't taken it off the site. I promise you I am not performing anywhere where they're gonna ask you for a vaccine card or passport or make you wear a mask or make you wrap tape around your mouth and write gay on it or any other idiotic, moronic thing. That is my promise to you. Uh, oh, we got a funny close for you today. Yeah, should we, you know what, we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna throw you something. We're gonna, the cold open, it's gonna be the cold close today. Uh, and we're gonna post it also on social so you'll be able to snag it, that little Ted Cruz Milan thing, uh, so you can share it around. Uh, guys, one more quick reminder, uh, the tour is here, daverubin.com slash events. I'm not gonna repeat everything again, but tickets are going fast and I hope to meet as many of you as possible. Every single ticket comes with a book and you're gonna dig it. It's gonna be fun and heartfelt and honest and there'll be some surprises and all that good stuff. That's all I have to say about that. I will see you tomorrow. Happy birthday, Connor. Extra guacamole, my friend, that's right. We spare no expense. All right, see you tomorrow, guys. For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? W would I have the ability to be an Asian man? 
and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and um, well, I'm asking kinds you how of... you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.